Mother Country is an SBS podcast produced on Wiradjuri land. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, both here and on the lands from which you might be listening. My name's Adam. I am 19, turning 20 this year, and I live in Williamstown, but I come from Ethiopia. My parents passed on Ethiopian culture simply by um, staying in touch with the other parents, having the core values and making sure that, you know, I don't forget where I come from either, you know, make it clear how things work and generally making sure that we go to events and, you know, not try and run away from the past sort of thing. Every year... My family and I drive to Anglesey in regional Victoria to camp. This is not swag and tent camping. We stay at a site that caters for school groups, so we all have a bunk and the bathrooms are communal. We eat our meals served from Vane Marie's in a large dining room. And it's a really special experience as over 100 people come from all over the country as far away as Darwin. And the reason why they all come is that we all share one thing in common. We are all the parents of kids adopted from Africa. The first time we ever attended adoption camp, my biological child said in a voice of wonder, all those families look like us. There were African kids of all ages everywhere, teenagers hanging out at the basketball courts, tween girls gossiping and braiding hair, and preschoolers jumping on the trampolines and riding scooters, and white Australian parents standing around chatting over cups of coffee. All four of us in the car, looking for a parking lot, felt we had finally arrived at a place full of people just like us, who would understand our family and our unique situation. I am Amy Chan, and this podcast is called Mother Country, a show about finding a sense of identity in mixed cultural adoptive families. This is episode four, Third Culture. How kids adopted from countries outside Australia are finding and creating their own culture. Adoption Camp is the place where my family really gets to embrace and learn about African heritage. There's always a cultural element to participate in, whether it be a drumming workshop, traditional dance class or a poetry reading. On the Saturday night, there's the opportunity to dress up in traditional outfits and pose for family photographs. A silent auction is held to raise money for a charity back in Africa, and there's always a huge feast of curries, injera, rice, stories and laughter. And Jenny has been busy, very busy, fixing some Ethiopian costumes. So. If you don't have an Ethiopian costume or you've grown out of your costume and you'd like to swap it over, have a talk to Jenny. She might be able to help. She's brought along her sewing machine and she's going to repair a few of the costumes as well. So she's volunteered to do that for an hour today. So we can't keep her at it all day. Um, And, yeah, if you've got a costume or you want to change it over or whatever, Jenny's the person to talk to. Hi, my name's Paula. And um, I have a husband, Andrew, and we have two children, Levi and Luna, who are six and seven, and we live in Hillsville, Victoria, in the Yarra Valley. They're from Ethiopia and Addis Ababa. This would be our 
third or fourth camp. We love it for the association and our kids absolutely adore it. They love coming here to see their friends and Luna loves jumping on the trampoline and Levi likes hanging out with all the older teenage, you know, older children. He likes to be included in their basketball games and soccer games. So it's really important that they, they see their friends at a camp because they love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. I guess, yeah, just the cultural experience of like being uh, associating with other children that have, you know, been through similar things to them and have the same story as them. So, yeah, I think they probably gain a lot out of it personally. I'm really sure at this stage how much they're gaining out of it because they're so young. But I think as the years go on, I think it's you know, highly beneficial. My name is Lisa Morey and I live in Shepparton with my husband, David Morey, and we have two children from an Ethiopian heritage. Just being part of that support group and these adoption camps teaches us so much in terms of educating us about perhaps the medical challenges that you might face. You know, it might be something such as, you know, vitamin D deficiency within, you know, the African community. It might be about hair care. It might be about connecting with your child and how to do that best when you've got a background of trauma that's attached to that. You know, just sharing stories and ideas was really important to us. So we, we felt like we were part of a community before we even had our children and also obviously we were connected to these families who have other adopted children so uh, gave us a greater understanding of what that means and yeah and since obviously adopting our children going to camp every year the kids just love it it's just amazing to to go and to share a, a whole weekend with each other kids just take off and brace each other obviously the aims of the camp are to stay connected but to support each other and to experience uh, lots of other cultural things there so it might be something like you know attending a drumming workshop or might be a session on hair care or might be um, you know having a bit of a discussion on some medical things that might crop up and parents sharing information so that you know you can be um, aware of it and prepared as well as just having lots of fun sharing an Ethiopian meal together um, and dressing in our Ethiopian traditional outfits so all of that coming together just to celebrate our families and our adoption community it's really invaluable. My name's Jenny. I live in Flemington in, in Melbourne. I live here with my daughter who's turning nine next week. I adopted her from Ethiopia when she was a toddler. There's just her and I in our family, so we are a little unique family. I think one of the standouts for me with camp and why it's such a positive experience for Mimi and she does talk about this is it's one thing for her to be amongst East Africans in our community and, and see other people that look like her and they'll have skin types and hair like her. Their parents are also African. So to come to camp and to see other families that have African kids who look like her and whose parents look like me is the thing that I think she feels even if she doesn't articulate it herself, is the most important thing. There's also a couple of families there that are just mums and daughters like ours, and that too is really important for her because the unit is, 
exactly like ours and and it makes her feel normal for her too at the moment she just sees it as a place where she connects with friends and it's fun you know it's fun doing the activities it's fun eating you know with so many other kids she hasn't had a camp experience at school so i think just the experience of so many people together really suits her one of the reasons that i think it's important is when she's a bit older and she's negotiating her hair she can talk to other kids who are going through exactly the same things oh yeah my mum can't do it either um, but even deeper than that, um, just the the processes that all our kids will have to go through of why was I abandoned, what's happened to my Ethiopian families, expressing whether or not they want to find their families, whether they don't want to find their families, all those thoughts that perhaps she can't or she will feel that she can't speak to me about she'll be able to share that with other kids who are in the same position as her. You know, I'm not naive enough to think that there won't be some things that she won't want to talk to me about, but it will be important to talk to someone about them. And I think if she has a peer who's got exactly the same or very similar experiences to her, that's the perfect opportunity. One of the most important things about adoption camp is being able to recognise yourself in those around you, agrees organiser Nicole Duhl. Being in a space where you do not feel like the odd one out can be a rare respite for kids adopted from non-Caucasian backgrounds and their parents who are trying to manage their well-being. I first became involved in camp because two of the women that were organising it had just, you know, they'd been doing it for a long time and they needed some help, so I put my hand up to take on the registrations. I love being part of camp and evolving the, you know, the meaning of camp because the kids are getting older and camp certainly has to change as as our children get older. And I love being involved certainly in that side of it, helping with the the mentoring and the role modelling that goes on within the the different age groups. And I think that is the real purpose and benefit of camp to the families and the children that come here, just to see, to look around and see other families that look just like them. It's really important for them. The importance of parental support groups is well documented, even amongst those who are not adoptive families. But how does adoption camp affect the kids and the way they see themselves? I think my connection to Ethiopia, as obvious as it is, it comes in myself. I think coming to an event called Lakasa Camp, which is a lot of adopted families, really as a good core. A lot of the people share the same values. You know, all the kids, we can all talk. Because in your day-to-day life, you, if you're a, like an adopted Ethiopian kid or teenager, you might feel that no one has the same situation, can completely relate. But here, you feel a sense of, you know, you can just be yourself because you know everyone knows what you're talking about with different events, how people view you, you're, even your parents, how they annoy you, all that sort of stuff. So I think yeah, this camp's really lovely. So it's been going for 25 years and I've been coming to camp for the last, I think this is my... 16th straight camp, so I have not missed a camp in 16 years. (laughs) I like going to a dropping camp because I feel that I fit in, like some other times I don't. I have lots of fun here. I love coming here because 
It's just really nice to be with some people my age, younger and older, that are adopted. And it's like just nice to relax and not worry about my, my being like self-conscious. I, I've been coming for 17 years to this adoption camp and the reason that it's important is I get to see people and stay connected to them and talk about what it's like to be adopted because going to school every day or work, you kind of feel like a fish out of water. And here you're like, like when I was little, I felt like a tiny fish in a really big pond. So it was really cool to listen to older kids talk about their experiences and their, like what it's like going through school and stuff like that. So it was, yeah, it was quite interesting. Listening to all these parents and kids, it is clear that the event of being together at least once a year creates a sense of community and shared experience for this particular adoption community. This is a time and a place where everyone at camp has the exact same circumstances of juggling an Ethiopian or East African culture with an Australian lifestyle. Every time I talk to one of these families, I'm taken aback at just how many shared experiences we have even though we don't see each other at any other times and we live all over Australia. What is not a surprise to me then is that the camp has been running for 25 years because it is driven in large part by that communal sense of belonging and connection that we all feel. I love that the Arab did a rap last year. So here's one for me, for all of you here. We come to camp to see our friends. Old and new. As an adoptive parent, passing down a culture that is not your own is a complex issue. So being able to rely on others like older Ethiopian kids can really help. Since I was not born with an innate understanding of any African culture, being amongst other parents in a similar situation to me also helps me learn more about ways in which I can better access Ethiopia and everything it has to offer for my child. This is a view commonly shared by many of the other camp attendees, like Lisa Mori. We got involved very early on when we started going through the education process to adopt. Um, like, as I said, we just embraced it 100% and threw ourselves into it. So I guess that's probably part of our nature and our way of doing things. So as crazy as it may seem, as waiting parents, probably nine years before we even were allocated a child um, or children, we went along to our adoption support group and to these uh, adoption camps. That's probably quite unusual. A lot of people don't like to put themselves in that situation where, you know, 
I suppose as the years ticked by, it took us 10 years to adopt our children. So, you know, by the end of it, we were like, you know, this probably won't, may, may not actually happen. It's, it was very much a roller coaster. However, we sort of felt that as that roller coaster continued, uh, we felt that it was really important that we got something out of the process you know, as individuals and as a as a couple, um, and it was about the relationships that we were forming, the connections we were making. So, regardless of whether we got through the process successfully or not, and a lot of sometimes it didn't seem like that was actually going to happen, but luckily for us, everything lined up and we did get through the process. However, if we didn't, we just thought, well, let's just enjoy the process as much as we can, make the connections and the relationships that we can, and that's sort of the way that we did it. So, for us, part of joining the support group and going to these adoption camps was forming being part of a community you know that support like when the adoption process closed down after waiting six years in Australia uh, that network and those friends and that support was vital to us um, just to get through that process you know we felt like that was the end then that we weren't going to succeed and we really had to take a breath and took a year to really decide, well, what were we going to do from there? But if we hadn't have had those connections and that support from that network of people, that would have been all the more harder. One family in particular, which is another waiting couple who were waiting parents as well. So we basically were both going to these camps for many years before we were allocated children. So we shared that journey and those emotions and supported each other throughout that. And and we still do to this day. So so that's been really crucial. Even for multicultural adoptive families who are not lucky enough to have an organised adoption camp to attend, their sentiments are still very much the same. They consistently tell me that they find their best sense of belonging when they're able to find other families just like theirs. Families who understand the complexities of being adopted in a mixed-race family, but also who embrace the specific adoptive cultures that they identify with. Hi, my name is Shelby Brody and I'm 21 years old and I live in Albury, Wodonga. So I was born in South Korea and adopted from Korea. Adopted by my mum and dad, Susan and James. They sort of had like this big Korean adoption group. So there were families that all adopted children from Korea and they all caught up and talked and I guess they all shared their own little pieces of advice to help. So I think that maybe helped them a lot with wanting to keep that alive with us. One of the families they have kept in contact with, I still keep in contact with one of the children, the daughter, and we talk on social media every now and then, but I think she's actually living in Korea now and she goes by her Korean name as well, which is really cool. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. I definitely think it's part of the friendship that she's Korean I just think it's really cool that we've got this little connection and we can talk about it and I can ask her questions and what she's done and there's no, I don't know, it doesn't come across offensive, I guess, if anybody else would ask it. My name's Robin Hawkins. I live in Bargo with my husband and our two children. Sahai, who is 16, and Kenley, who is 10. Well, one of the groups um, Sahai has started interacting with is an Ethiopian-Eritrean support group. It's a sort of youth group. 
And we found out this group through um, one of our Ethiopian friends that Sahai used to dance with. And very, very, very grateful with all the groups, the Ethiopian group and the Colombian group for all the support, you know, the networking that happens behind the scenes. It's just made our job so much easier supporting our kids culturally. But uh, this group is only very new. They asked for Sahai to come along and interact with the children there and support. And um, they gave her an award actually there, which was so lovely. And uh, Sahai just... Um, came home and said to me, Mum, this is the most wonderful award that I've received to date. Like, she was just so proud of it. It just makes me feel like we're succeeding and, you know, helping our kids to be good people. And, yeah, it's just really great. If something about Robin or her kids sounds familiar to you, that might be because you recognise her daughter, Sahai Hawkins, as the new Yellow Wiggle. This huge public platform for Sahai who is literally on an international stage, is just another way for international adoption to become more normalised in Australia and for adoptive kids to feel less isolated or separated from everyone else. I think um, Sahai being in the Wiggles will impact children that have been adopted or that are um, that are somehow different. I think it will be a huge impact. We're already getting a large response from people in the Ethiopian community, in the Colombian community and in the adoption groups as well. Great support. They feel inspired by Sahai and I think hearing Sahai's story and that she's accomplishing and she's achieving, it makes them feel validated, you know, that their experience is being reflected in Sahai and I just love that. I think it's so beautiful that she's able to do that. My name is Sahai Hawkins. Um, I'm 16 years old. As soon as I became a Wiggle, a lot of people have noticed about my background because we've always been very open with it. And in a lot of my interviews, people have started with like, hey, introduce yourself and then gone straight into what's your background? Because people are interested. You don't see many Ethiopian adopted kids in Australia. So I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud that I can showcase that because a lot of people, when like when I was little, people would, little kids would be like, I tell them, oh, I'm adopted. And if they knew what it was, they would be like, oh, I'm sorry. And it's not a sad thing in my case. I've been very proud of my adoption and it's helped me shape who I am. And I get to learn about different cultures and I get to embrace everything about Ethiopians and Australians and all other cultures. I've met many of different people that are adopted from different countries. And like, it's been a very good experience. And having this public platform has been amazing because I can share it to all the world about my background. Well, that's for me, there hasn't been a really big impact because I think my, fam- my, my whole family was very open and embracing about all the different cultures and the people I was around were new to learning about this and there were some kids and some teachers, like I had a teacher that said I needed to forget about Africa if I want to go anywhere. And funny enough, she was actually the multicultural teacher that like would teach everyone about it. So it was, there's been very different experiences and that made, that actually made me feel stronger and more proud that I was Ethiopian because I could explain, no, that's not how you should, like, 
there's been people that have had very different experiences growing up as an adoption. It's not always the positive smile thing. It's not always the sob story either. It's it's very different for many people. And with my mental health, I guess it's just been being around different people that have had the same experience and having my family around all the time. I'm, I'm a very like open person and I haven't had very many bad experiences, which I'm very grateful for. But yeah, with mental health and coping, I guess it's just easy to talk to people and being around people that are like me and just learning about different cultures. My adopted child is eight, so he thinks he's far too old to care about the Wiggles. So it's been fascinating to see what a huge impact Sahai Hawkins has had on him. When he sees her on the TV or in the pages of Vogue, he is so proud to see someone he feels he can relate to. The fact that she is a girl or older or that he's never met her has no relevance. What resonates about Sahai is that she represents diversity and inclusion. This is a theme I find adoptive families keep coming back to, Even if you are not able to find others who are in exactly the same situation as you, just being in a multicultural community where different ethnicities and faces and skin colours are welcome is really important. We sort of see that positioning ourselves and living here within Shepparton, within a multicultural environment, and being able to attend multicultural events and being surrounded by others you know we're all different we all look different we're all different people and different individuals but we all come together and we can connect so I think that's really important in terms of our children's identity um, and connecting them with their culture is that we're living in this diverse community and hopefully that allows them to see that we are all different and to be accepting of their differences to be able to ask questions freely about that that's really important. The responsibility to pass on cultural heritage and information I think is important. I don't think it should be the the central focus of our life all the time and I think that I can do it incidentally. So one example is we're fortunate where we live because there is quite a large East African community here. There are people within our friendship groups who are Ethiopian and so I'm able to bounce off other adults, parents, capture some culture from them to to teach Mimi to make it important. Adopting a child from another country, it's very different to adoption 40, 50 years ago where families perhaps didn't tell their children. It's very obvious that she's adopted because of what she looks like. So it's something that's always been a part of what we talk about, you know, what she looks like, what her family may have been like, and also just what it's like to live in Ethiopia. I was fortunate I lived in Addis Ababa for the 18 months while I adopted her, so I had a very good understanding of lifestyle in Ethiopia and culture. And culture, of course, is music and food and religion, literature, the arts, everything. It's all encompassing. I try and teach her as much as I possibly can. I do have limitations, particularly in regards to religion, which is incredibly important to Ethiopians, but it's not part of my background. And one of the ways I'm trying to get around that at the moment is involving a young adult who we have a really great connection with who's Ethiopian as well, adopted Ethiopian, and I'm hoping that she can sort of fill in some of the gaps culturally that I can't give to Mimi. I am really aware that this type of cultural handover between adoptive parents and kids 
could arguably be described as inauthentic. But then I think about how, even as a child of Chinese-Malaysian migrant parents, I was surprised at how many of the cultural foundations they had passed on to me in childhood had changed or were no longer relevant when I became an adult. When I asked some of the adoptive kids about this, they acknowledged that while their experiences and understanding of Ethiopia would certainly be different from an Ethiopian born and raised there, that doesn't make their own sense of culture as Ethiopian-Australian adoptive people less real. These families are showing their kids there are lots of pathways and options for when they decide what parts of which culture they want to take on. And the kids are embracing this open-minded and flexible view of culture to evolve a third culture of their own. My name is Rahel Davies. Uh, My background is Ethiopian, but I was adopted from Ethiopia to Australia when I was two years old. So yeah, my mum started it when she adopted us and we've been going every single year since. It has been, so it's a camp where um, all of the adopted kids, mainly from like East Africa, the Horn of Africa, but I think all adopted kids are welcome. I just think there was a lot of adoption coming out of East Africa when she started it. Yeah, and we go every year and we just play growing up. I, I grew up through that camp. Like I've been going every single year. So I started off as a kid, went through all my teenage years. Now I'm like becoming more, going into being more of an adult. It's just wild. Like that that's something she started. And I can't like appreciate her enough for that. Cause that was another huge thing for, for us to be able to go to that camp every year. So I've been, I keep going to the camp because it's just like, it's just something that's so close to my heart. Like I can't, like I said, like I've I've been going since I was a kid and every single year I just feel like what it gives to, so I've seen the impact that it's had on me. I've seen the impact that it's had on my close friends. I, I, I know the conversations we had, like, you know, especially kind of in those teenage years, we would have very like deep conversations it'd be kind of like the one opportunity that we'd all get together and just like vent about how we're feeling all of our trials and tribulations in terms of being adopted and like we all grew up in very white spaces and we never really felt like we had anyone to talk about and that was the space that we did that so that's why it's so important to me because when I look at the other younger kids that are you know either in high school or in primary school or, you know, two, three, four, five years old, like I want them to be able to have that opportunity as well because, and you can see it in their faces. You can just see how how comfortable and happy they are to be there and to just be like, ah, oh, finally, like I said, it's like when I was in Ethiopia, it's like, oh, I'm not that, I'm not the black kid. Like <laughs> I'm just the kid, you know? So that's why I think it's so important. And hopefully it's something that can continue on because us all like I think I'm one of the only ones that still goes every year so I don't know hopefully like it can I really hope it can continue Hi I'm Aragawi and I'm 14 years old I was born in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia in 2008 and then was adopted to Australia and now live in Cobden, Southwest Victoria. I feel pretty good about adoption camp. I, 
I used to love it. Well, I still do really like it, but, it, you know, you can connect with children who are like you and sort of have a similar experience to you. It is really good, but there are dropping numbers, and especially this year with COVID, a fair few people can't come, which is a real shame. But, yeah, there are a few dropping numbers, so I'd really like to see the numbers get back up and, yeah, it'd just be really nice to have so many all the families that could come, really come and make their kids come, it would just be so, so good, yeah. I hope for the future camp that we get a lot of the younger kids, so maybe now we're looking at the 10 to 14, 15, sort of coming all the way through. You know, we're seeing, a, sadly, we're seeing a few people when they get past the 18, they tend to not want to come anymore. They, they tend to drop off. So I'd, I'd like to see camp develop where you've got the, you know, the kids go to the adults and then they keep going sort of thing. That's, you know, and just continue to have a good environment, really. This was the final episode of Mother Country, an SBS podcast produced on Wiradjuri land. If you like this podcast, please give us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Mother Country was created and written by me, Amy Chan. Sound design by Max Gosford. To find out more about this podcast, go to sbs.com.au forward slash mother country.